Chapter Eleven of the Barnabys in America by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. Mutual dislike arises between the English Frederick Egerton and the American Annie Beauchamp. The gentleman's disgust leads him to decide upon leaving the country immediately. The vulgar but expressive old phrase "There is no love lost between them" might have been applied with the most perfect correctness to Miss Annie Beauchamp and Mister Frederick Egerton but they wore their dislike such as it was with a difference the gentleman as we have seen being rather persevering in his purpose of knowing more of the young lady while the young lady it left to herself would have been perfectly well contented had she been assured that she should never see the young gentleman again nor did this difference arise from the fact on his part that he was ready to acknowledge her the most beautiful person he had ever seen for on hers she was equally ready to acknowledge that he was by many degrees the handsomest person she had ever seen and at the centre of both hearts there was the thought but oh so perfectly american and but oh so perfectly english the difference therefore arose from temper annie was less speculative than mr egerton at least when her mind was so completely made up on a subject as she felt it to be on the present occasion and mr egerton was more disposed to analyse even though conscious that he already knew what the result must be i suppose this is about the coolest place in new orleans miss beauchamp said egerton venturing to seat himself on the farthest extremity of the long wooden sort of sofa which the young lady occupied i dare say there may be a great many much cooler for those who know anything about the place strangers never know where to look for anything returned miss annie beauchamp without condescending to turn her eyes towards him your observation is in contradiction to the remark generally made upon travellers miss beauchamp it has been often said that we almost all of us know more of the countries we visit than the natives themselves for travellers you know make it their especial business to find out everything while those who remain at home find only what happens to come in their way annie drew her beautiful lips together for a moment as if she did not intend to make any reply but upon second thought she said i believe that would be perfectly true particularly if speaking of english travellers provided the word disagreeable were added to the word thing what an odious girl mentally exclaimed the young man and with such profound ignorance too what on earth does she know of english travellers and then he cast a glance towards her and took in at that glance certainly without intending it such a face such a form and such an attitude as are only exhibited on the earth at intervals to show what a woman may be when no earthly accidents have arisen to injure the original intention of heaven it is rather an old observation that beauty will have its effect but it is not the less true for its antiquity and frederick egerton at that moment if he did not quite forgive her felt more disposed to hear her speak again than he had ever done before have you travelled much yourself miss beauchamp said he in a very gentle accent and not at all as if he were angry alas no she replied without any caustic accent either as if regardless that it was only a detestable englishman who asked the question but it was one that touched feelings with which his nation had nothing to do and she forgot herself you have not however lost much time as yet if you love travelling what is there to prevent your enjoying it oh there is nothing in the world i expect to prevent my enjoying it except our not being able to set out but if i can't make it convene to travel in a coach i'll travel in a wagon and if that won't do i'll just get along on foot for living as we do in the finest country in the world it's a first-rate sin not to see it all over then you have no inclination to go beyond your own country you do not wish to travel in europe 
annie looked up at him for a moment and it was a very saucy glance which shot from her sparkling eye as she did so she seemed on the eve of saying something very particularly anti-european but she restrained it and only turned aside her head and laughed i should like to know what you are laughing at said egerton quite determined upon not condescending to be angry with anything so exceedingly ignorant and silly as the opinions of miss annie beauchamp and at the same time feeling it quite fair to make her talk that he might have the twofold amusement of looking at and quizzing her pray tell me he continued what there is laughable in the idea of travelling beyond the united states the joke lies she answered after a moment's consideration in the notion of any one's wanting to see that musty fusty little bit of the old world which you call europe when they may remain to explore the opening glories of this bright young world which we call america and that too with the proud privilege of being one of its citizens poor little fool thought egerton what a pity that such eyes as those should have nothing better to inspire their wonderful expression than the fables of a handful of crack-brained conceited republicans yet still he wished her to say more and therefore resumed the conversation with great civility do you mean miss beauchamp that after having become well acquainted with the land of your birth you shall feel no curiosity to see any other particularly that for instance whence the first white inhabitants of your own highly approved land derived their origin there was something in the wording of this speech that seemed to irritate the young american she did not look either as if she meant not to answer it but she paused a moment or two as if to select words for the purpose curiosity shall i have any curiosity to visit the tombs of my vastly respectable great-grandfathers why upon my word sir if no better reward can be proposed to me for the trouble and fatigue of crossing the atlantic than seeing the crumbling relics of a thoroughly worn-out race i really think it would be a great deal wiser to stay at home mr egerton now smiled a little to himself upon perceiving which the colour of the beautiful annie mounted to her temples and the glance she gave him certainly amounted to a flash of indignation this was hardly fair he had borne her laugh more patiently however he thought it was very amusing to look at her in all her various moods and thinking perhaps that he should not greatly mind it even if she boxed his ears he looked as grave as he could and replied of course you have studied as an elementary part of your education the present state of the mother country relatively to the rest of europe or rather to the rest of the world i believe the comprehensive plan of american female education considers this study as absolutely indispensable yes sir she very gravely replied it does and i do assure you that all of our studies it is this which most awakens in our hearts that most excellent gift of pity and those gentle feelings of commiseration which christian teachers consider it one of their first duties to create and cultivate we are quite aware that the noble race of men which now peoples the broad surface of the united states must have derived their origin from a stock possessing the materials of greatness and we look back upon this race with such moderate feelings of affectionate interest as a rational man experiences for the dust of his great-great-great-grandfather but as we know that it pleased the almighty mover of nations to cause the estimable remnant of the community to forsake the falling country when they perceived that it was become unworthy of them and to seek refuge here our affections naturally and rationally fix themselves upon the brave transatlantic portion of the race not only because they are the fathers of the people to whom we belong but also because the very reason for the original separation as well as for the immortal secondary one proves beyond the reach of any question on the subject that they are worthy of all reverence and affection and that those they left are not 
though they are indeed and ever will be while they are permitted to retain their political existence at all the objects of very sincere compassion upon my word miss beauchamp we are or ought to be excessively obliged to you returned egerton not knowing whether he felt most surprised or provoked by the young lady's grandiloquent harangue permit me to return thanks he added rising and making her a low bow for the testimony you have been pleased to exhibit of your benevolence towards the english nation poor people murmured annie casting her eyes down with a sort of pitying dejection and at the same time heaving a deep sigh egerton puzzled and plagued by the strange form the young lady's patriotism had now taken looked at her with as much curiosity as admiration while she continued to retain her whimsically plaintive attitude but when she furtively raised her eyes again there was an expression in them which made him shrewdly suspect she was only amusing herself at his expense and that it was malice towards him rather than the love she boasted for her country which had inspired her if this were the case he felt that the little republican had the advantage of him and as the idea crossed his mind it was doubtful whether he was more piqued or provoked the former feeling prompted him to continue the conversation in the hope of being able to use weapons of somewhat the same nature in his defence while the latter suggested the wisdom of leaving the very absurd young lady to herself but while he yet doubted the question was decided for him by major allen barnaby's bowing himself off a ceremony which was immediately followed by mrs beauchamp's advancing towards them and saying come annie my daughter i want you in my chamber i have got one or two jobs that i expect you must do for me and besides i have got something to say to you thus summoned annie gave one rapid wicked glance at the countenance of the young englishman and with a slight parting bow retired egerton replaced himself on the bench and fell into a fit of musing she is insufferable he muttered i cannot endure her a movement of impatience caused him to rise again and pace the long balcony of which luckily for his irritated feelings he had the sole possession with slow and discontented sounding strides i hate the country he ejaculated half aloud i hate and detest it from one end to the other the negroes and indians are the only interesting part of the population and the only thing approaching to civilized society that i have enjoyed since i landed was at the german village at 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 heaven knows where would to heaven that this self-inflicted penance were over i must steam up that nasty muddy mississippi or i break faith with myself which i never will do at every house i could enter half a dozen miss annie beauchamp's in it and a pretty company they would make well enough to be sure to the eye but able to sting a man to death with their odious tongues to-day is wednesday steamboats i believe go every day thursday that's to-morrow i wish to heaven i could go to-morrow but that i cannot do because i have promised the priggish mr horatio timpsackle to go to the french play with him but i must speak about my linen from the laundress for saturday i will positively not stay in this detestable house a single moment longer than saturday and having thus soothed his irritation he stalked through the saloon into the hall and out of the house having encountered a negress in the way to whom he gave strict orders that his linen should be in his room ready for packing by friday night this sort of notable thoughtfulness having been taught him by necessity in consequence of his having for the first time in his life since he left college set off upon a journey without a servant a piece of self-denial to which he was advised by one who knew by experience the effect of the united states upon an english domestic 
mrs beauchamp and her daughter meanwhile mounted the stairs and having reached one of the apartments sacred to their own use the elder lady closed the door of it and making the fair annie sit down near it began to address her as follows i have something to tell you my dear child that will i expect go straight right away to your feelings as it did to mine i know how you have been brought up my daughter and it is all out and out impossibility that you should not have all your high patriotic notions set blazing by what i am going to tell you annie listened very attentively but had she spoken the truth and the whole truth concerning what was passing at her heart she would have said no more patriotism just now dear mamma if you please because i have been working so hard at it that i am right down tired but of course she said nothing of the kind and mrs beauchamp went on you know only too well my dear child how shamefully the united states have been abused vilified and belittled by all the travellers who have ever set foot in them for the purpose of writing books about us i don't say too much do i annie when i declare that this has positively amounted to a regular national calamity and i'll give any one leave to judge what it must be to the feelings of a free people who know themselves to be the finest nation in the world to have one atrocious unprincipled monster after another come and write volumes upon volumes in order to persuade the rest of the world that we are less behindhand with everybody instead of being as we really are first and foremost of the whole world doesn't it drive one mad annie it drives one into very great anger mamma replied her daughter with something like a sigh well then my darling what will you say to my first-rate unaccountable good luck when i tell you that i have been just applied to by the most gentlemanlike european to my fancy that ever put foot in the states to assist with my information my feelings and my opinions in composing a work the express object of which is to do justice at last to the union and who mamma is the author you are to assist my dear it is the lady the most striking and distinguished in appearance of the new party that came to the house yesterday she looks like a woman of a very commanding intellect and her husband has told me that she has been a most admired author for years in her own country only that she is of too retired a character ever to have put her name to any of her works is it that enormously tall and stout woman mamma demanded annie yes my dear it is the lady who is the stoutest of the party it is mrs allen barnaby i should not have fancied her a particularly shy person said annie gently i must insist upon it child returned mrs beauchamp with a great deal of energy that you do not permit yourself to take up any absurd prejudices against this lady who i positively declare seems sent by heaven to do us justice and remember if you please my daughter how very little you know about the higher classes of people in england depend upon it that whatever you see in her which strikes you as being out of the common way is just the greatest proof of her rank and fashion you heard what she said yesterday about going to court and though as a citizen of a free country i thought it my duty to put in my say against courts altogether and all such like abuses of the human intellect 
nevertheless i am not such a fool as to be ignorant that none but the very highest classes of all are ever permitted to come withinside the walls that hold the queen and though i hate and despise all such tyranny it is quite right in such a case as this to remember all we do know of their abominable old-fashioned ways in order that we may understand a little what we are about which is the way you know to avoid disagreeable blunders i am sure nobody will suspect me such a thorough-going patriot as i am for being likely to have any over-great respect for queens and princes and such like and i dare say annie you heard the considerable sharp set-down i gave her yesterday on that very subject but for all that i know what i know and it is something i can tell you in the way of good luck when one is getting a little close and familiar with an english family to find that they have been at court in course our first feeling ought to be suspicion about everybody that is english and it is very convenient by times to get at the whole truth about people don't you think so my dear yes mamma replied annie rather absently for indeed she was not thinking of what her mother had said having been occupied during nearly the whole time they had been together in endeavouring to recollect all she had said to mr egerton and was rather tormenting herself with the fear that she had not been sufficiently caustic and severe in her manner of treating him luckily for the harmony of the dialogue for mrs beauchamp liked to be attended to this indifference on the part of the young lady was not remarked and her mother still in the highest good humour went on to explain a project she had conceived by which every part of mrs allen barnaby's important work might be benefited by her information and superintendence and now my dear said she i must make you acquainted with what i propose to do and it is a great satisfaction my daughter for me to know that it is just exactly the very thing you will like best you know annie how often you have been at father and me about taking you to travel up and down a little that you might see and know something of the glories of the union over and beyond what all my teaching could make you understand well my dear and you know too that i have always promised that travel you should to washington and to niagara and one after the other to all the atlantic cities if we could make it convene with father's will and pleasure but up to this day annie i have never been able to get anything better from him than just off and on sort of promises and his reason for putting it off so everlasting was that though he loved you and i too a deal better than his eyes and i am quite availed that he speaks no more than the truth when he says it yet that for the soul of him he can't make up his mind to travel hither and yon as he says we want to do till we get east of sunrise without a man companion for him to speak to and that's why for he keeps us at boarding everlasting which we two don't overmuch approbate either of us but just observe how the matter stands now these smart clever people and a large party of em too with two men you see are actually going right ahead to make the tour of the union and the major the authoress lady's husband loves a quiet game of piquet father says as well as he does himself and that he found out last night when they started off together you know after dinner now it does seem to me annie that nothing ever did convene so perfect as this 
here's the lady come on purpose to write a book on the union but honestly confessing that she don't know the name of one state from another and in course still less about all the remarkabilities of our glorious and immortal constitution and other requirements for such a business whether about ourselves or our works well then there's me ready and willing to supply all she wants and though i say it that shouldn't no ways badly qualified for that same business either seeing that ever since i was a girl at college i have been always celebrated for my patriotism and had a heart in my bosom ready to fight for the stripes and the stars if such a thing was wanted as father has told me scores of times then next comes father himself wanting and wishing of all things in creation to please his darling annie by taking her a-touring but never having the heart to set out on account of having nobody in the evenings to take a cigar and a hand of cards with him so then to answer to that comes the major as ready to do both as the sun to rise in the morning and then next there's your darling beautiful self my daughter having your own heart's wish at last and setting out on your travels for everlasting stop you who can now what do you think of all this annie isn't it a pretty considerable piece of good fortune daughter say annie had changed colour more than once during the progress of her mother's harangue not a word of which escaped her for the absent fit was quite gone had mrs beauchamp been less completely occupied by her own share in the proposed arrangement it is probable that she would have perceived that annie's sensations in hearing them detailed were not of unmixed satisfaction but partly because she was too intent upon all she had in her head to see very clearly what was before her eyes and partly because she felt so very certain of her daughter's delight at the scheme that she would scarcely have believed her in earnest had she objected to it she perceived not these latent symptoms of dissatisfaction and exclaimed even before she answered i knew you would be in raptures annie let it pass and only smiled which she certainly did the more easily because a portion at least of the information she had received was decidedly agreeable though she thought that if she had had the ordering of the scheme things might have convened more perfectly to her satisfaction than they did at present her objections however whatever they were she kept to herself and when she spoke at last it was to say that she was very glad indeed that she was going to see something more of the glorious and unrivalled country to which she had the honour of belonging than merely big gang bank charlestown new orleans and natchez you are quite right annie quite and entirely right replied her mother i have been a great traveller in my day a very great traveller and from my high connections in different states have always been among people of the very first standing and to my mind she added no young lady's education can be complete till she has pretty well seen the union through however my dear we have no great cause to complain of father either as yet for we must remember that you won't be seventeen till fall and so there is no great time lost but there is one thing annie that in a small way troubles me and i will tell you what it is my daughter because i have a notion that you might give us a little help if you'll be clever enough to do what i wish what is it mamma said annie with one of her beautiful smiles i am ready to do anything to please you that's a jam girl and this is it then 
those two elderly-looking women you know that have come along with this celebrated authoress mrs ellen barnaby i can't help having a fancy that they must be people of great consequence because they are both of them so unaccountably ugly and stupid that i don't see the likelihood of any christian soul taking the trouble of bringing them out all this eternity of a voyage if they were not or at any rate they must be somebody that this new friend of mine mrs allen barnaby must think a good deal of and of course would not like to have slighted and the truth is annie that as i know i shall have enough to do to fully enlighten the mind of the writing lady about the union i don't look forward at all i can tell you to having any time to bestow upon them and as to your father his hatred to ugly old women is so great that i expect nothing in creation would make him consent to my scheme except just the pleasing you and having his game of piquet from sundown to bedtime without having the trouble of trotting out to look for a playfellow which i calculate he abominates further than most things this being the way the case lies darling what i want of you is that you would be just a little conversable and genteel in your attentions to these two poor queer old souls will you dear as your share and payment for all the beautiful miles you are going to travel will you annie say certainly mamma if i am to travel with these english people i will endeavour to be as civil to them as i can but i expect they will find me very dull company for it is rarely that i find much that i should like to say to any strangers and especially to english but don't think i object dear mamma whenever i can find anything to say it shall always be said to them oh but annie you must be very civil to the major and to his lady into the bargain and also to the splendid-looking young lady their daughter and to the foreign gentleman their son-in-law or else mercy on me we shall be getting into a terrible scrape i guess and have madame barnaby saying in her book that whatever the rest of the country may be the young ladies are the most disagreeable and least elegant people throughout the union don't do anything to get that said annie mamma i will do my very best to please you replied her daughter very gravely but there is one thing that i will not promise because in my heart i don't believe it is one that i could ever perform i cannot promise you to speak very often to the married young lady the daughter mrs beauchamp frowned and shook her head i see by your looks annie said she that you are getting into one of your obstinate fits when you will pretend to know what people are better than your mother does which of all impossibilities is the most impossible and you a girl under seventeen now don't annie don't there's a fine girl don't vex me just when i am trying to do my very best to serve my dear persecuted country and to please you into the bargain it is very cruel of you annie very and poor mrs beauchamp looked very much as if she were going to cry but her beautiful daughter ran to her and drove away every indication of the kind by a kiss trust me mamma she said i have promised you that i will do the best i can and so i will shall i go this very minute and find out these miss perkinses that is the name i expect isn't it mamma shall i go to them now wherever they are and ask them if they will take a walk in the balcony i am sure it must be cooler than the room they have got poor things 
for cleopatra told me that our sly lump of soft solder mrs carmichael had persuaded them to lodge themselves in a little hole of a garret looking exactly west that she might keep a decent room vacant in case any of her regular new orleans beaux as she calls them should offer themselves i will go to them directly shall i yes do darling and i will go too and see if i can find my new friend mrs ellen barnaby pray mamma said annie rising to depart have you said anything to papa yet about your travelling scheme no my dear i have not replied her mother with a smile but that is only because i have had no opportunity i don't fear any opposition annie there you know pretty nearly as well as i do dearie that if i take care that the piquet and the toddy go right nothing else is likely to go wrong annie knew that as far as the word wrong meant opposition her mother had the best possible grounds namely that furnished by many years experience for her confidence in having her own way so she said no more but walked off shaking her head however rather mournfully as she went for though she loved her mother she loved her father too and often regretted that his habitual indolence which seemed to have absorbed everything like activity in his character had permitted him to lay himself so completely on the shelf End of chapter 11